Traveling the Vortex. haven't joined the doctor as they travel the vortex but we have arrived at four episode 464 i'm keith i'm sean i'm glad how are you guys we're almost around our little video link in the right order almost oh almost <laughs> greg's in my seat <laughs> <laughs> good how you guys been pretty good are you still social distancing i'm back at work so you are as, back finally uh, I am back at work finally. This this was the end of my second week. How's it gone? It's been okay. It's kind of a rougher transition than I thought it would be, but yeah. it's finding a new normal in this kind of craziness, especially the additional craziness since we test for the disease that everyone's so afraid of. Right, and, exactly. I was going to say, uh, of all of us now, you got, you're probably the most busy. Yeah, uh, well, and, you know, easing back into it and finding a rhythm with, because everyone kind of got used to me not being there. <laughs> so it's kind of a, it's it's been a little hit and miss. Sometimes I'm bored, sometimes I'm super busy, so it kind of just depends. It also depends on how many samples we get, because there's a lot yeah. coming in. Oh, I'm sure. Well, you guys do anything fun this week? I am a grandfather. Oh, yeah, I saw that. Congratulations. Again, so. Yeah, thank Congratulations. you. Was that Cody's yes. third? Okay. <laughs> Didn't how long ago was their not, second? Not very. Not very long ago. <laughs> That's what I thought. Yeah. We're um, we're as, as soon as uh, it is safe to do so, we're having Sam come over to install the boot. We're gonna kind of lock her up so that uh, <laughs> say no more. Cody's still convinced he wants a boy, and we're like, no, three, three girls is enough. <laughs> I don't think he has it. Uh, yeah, I don't he's got it in him. Yeah, he's not gonna get. He's not gonna get there. Uh, I've, I've tried arguing so that point. It's like, dude, genetics are against you. <laughs> Your pocketbook <laughs> is against you. Stop now. <laughs> uh, I've been still reading a lot. I finished up oh, the Thrawn trilogy, and thorough, uh, two was kind of eh. It was good, but there wasn't a lot of plot there because you know it's split in twice, split in two sections. One past, one present. Um, but the third one, I thought I I really enjoyed quite a bit. I finished Rebels. I was about four episodes away that I had just been setting on and hadn't watched. And so I finally sat down and watched those. Because I had started watching Clone Wars, the last season of Clone Wars. And I thought, oh, I probably ought to finish these in order. So I went back and finished Rebels. And then I've got, I'm only four episodes away from finishing Clone Wars, which, Sean, I saw you finished. The best. Yeah, I'm, I, I am doing it in order, so I I couldn't start Rebels until I finished. <laughs> and of course, it wouldn't be Star Wars if it didn't have a few contradictions in it. But you gotta have to let that slide. Uh, I yeah. think it'll be okay. Yeah. Well, even even the creators are saying, don't don't get worked up over the contradictions. Anything else big and groundbreaking anybody did? I finished uh, Star Trek Discovery, season two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How's that going? Um. You know, I, for somebody who was so anti-discovery after season one, um, it, it grew on me quite a bit. It gets significantly better throughout the season two run. And season two is a lot better than season one to begin with. But it, it continues to get better as it goes. And they do a lot of things. First of all, there's a lot of great fan moments in it. As, as a Star Trek fan, there's a lot of things. It's like, okay, that was really cool. 
and they do a lot of things that are retroactively fixing things that I had huge problems with season one. So it's like, okay, at least you fixed that. Mm -hmm. I still think the series is plagued by lazy writing because if you hadn't done that to begin with, you wouldn't have needed to retroactively fix it later, but at least you made the effort to retroactively fix it. So, eh, all right. Um, but we also got the news today that we're getting a Captain Pike series and Anson Mount was far and away, hands down, the best thing about season two of Discovery was coming in as, as Captain Christopher Pike. So I'm okay with it. <laughs> so, well, let's move yeah. on to news. Our first bit of news, the BBC has announced a new multi-platform story that's going to launch later this year in a 12-week part it's called Time Lord Victorious. So it will see things like books, magazines, comics, escape rooms, Big Finish, and BBC Audio, all doing, among other things, all doing a story in this Time Lord Victorious story arc. It looks like uh, it looks like it's going to center around uh, the Eighth Doctor, the Ninth Doctor, and the Tenth Doctor, right? I believe, yeah, and it, I think it's going to mostly focus around the Tenth Doctor. Yeah, I think that'll that be time the during story. the specials. Yeah, in fact, I would not be surprised if we saw at least David Tennant and Paul McGann do some audio for Big Finish. Come back since they mm -hmm. both have recorded. Obviously, McGann records audio all the time, and and uh, David Tennant's done some, so it'll be pretty interesting. Be what'll be really interesting is see if they convince Christopher Eccleston to do one. That would be really cool. We know two books for sure. They've, yeah, yeah. They just announced The Night, the Fool, and the Dead by Steve Cole, which focuses on the 10th Doctor as he travels back to the dark times, an era where life flourishes and death is barely known. So he's trying to cheat death in his Time Lord Victorious mode. And then the other one is called All Flesh is Grass by Una McCormick. And this features the three Doctors together. Um, and it seems like it's kind of a sequel to the first book. Hmm. The covers are gorgeous. <laughs> yeah, they do. They look really cool. The artwork has been very impressive on what I've seen thus far. So what do you guys think of this? What a great idea, huh? Yeah, I'm excited to see how they pull it off. And especially for some of the things like the escape rooms where people can't go take, uh, not everyone can go take part in it. How are they going to make it so that part of the story is still conveyed to everybody? I'm really curious about. How I think that's, that's what I'm a little worried about, except for I don't know that the interconnectivity is going to be as grand as we all think it will be. Um, and I think just for that reason that there will be people that won't be able to do escape rooms or won't, there'll be people that won't be able to afford every aspect of this um, as far as, you know, the wallet goes. So I have a feeling that there'll be a lot of uh, loose interconnectivity. There'll probably be some things that are big, grand carryovers. Um, but I think things like the escape room, uh, maybe even some of the like video, this was a video game tie in too, or I know there's comics, uh, comics, books, audios. Um, so really the escape room is probably the only thing that's going to be very inaccessible for probably most of the U S unless they figure out how to do some over here in, in the U S but even then as vast and big as we are, there's no guarantee it's going to come to everybody's area. If they do manage to start doing some in the U S. They almost need to film 
of somebody doing the escape room so you at least kind of get the plot point of it yeah. and release that. They almost kind of need to do that. See, you'd have heard the broadcast that Palpatine was back <laughs> if you played the video game. <laughs> that's just that's just the way it is. You know? Right, right. Luckily, I don't think there's a Fortnite tie-in. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm torn, as, as with most things anymore on Doctor Who. There's a part of me that's like, do we really need another big gargantuan multi epic crossover multi yes, we do. event? <laughs> and the other part of me is like, yeah, <laughs> uh, of course, especially with different doctors than what we've had before, and and this particular um, configuration. Yeah, so. there's no part of me though that thinks we don't need it, and I think part of my reason for that is because the if you don't want to involve in it, don't. If you're not a, if you're not a book reader, if you're not a comic reader, you don't have to worry about it meddling into television because obviously the one element that's missing in this whole lineup is TV. They have not announced any television yeah. stuff. So um, if if it's not your thing, or if you just want to indulge in a little bit of it, some of the big finish stuff, maybe then you just kind of do that. So I don't think there's any reason not to do it. I think it's going to be this grand fun thing that they that I mean, big finish is involved, and they've always been great at everything they've done. I can't imagine them signing on to a project that isn't been thought through. And so I think, I think everything will be, I just mean more from the, well done from the same standpoint that we, we kind of jokingly go, Oh, Titans giving us another doctor who crossover this year. (laughs) You you know what I mean? I mean, it's like, but at least it's not a 13 doctor story. It's they're managing it by three. So, right. And and it's a bit more ambitious too, because it's multi-platform more so than comics. So I I think that's kind of makes it seem the part. And, it really will help fill that gap while we wait for the holiday special. Yeah. Very true. All right. Well, let's move on to a little op ed piece that uh, came out this week. Did you guys get a chance to read um, the, uh, I'm trying to pull it up here. I thought I had it in the background, but I don't. Did this get posted anywhere? Or was it just me sending it to you? I think you just sent it. Oh yeah, you do. Okay, that's why I don't have it over here because you just sent it to me. No, you posted it on Did Facebook, post- didn't you? No, maybe not. I I don't post much of anything anymore. I always run it through you guys, especially if something like this. That's an yeah, that's, that's probably a good idea. <laughs> How did you send it? I think um, it was in Messenger. I believe oh, yes, it okay. is in Messenger. Okay, hang on. All right. Well, obviously, cut so this you, out. You got to go all the way back now. <laughs> That's not too far. I guess, well, since you're cutting this out anyways, should we do the Power of the Dalek special edition too? What was that? I missed that. The, the, the announcement? That oh, no, 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 no. Okay. No. <laughs> All right, I but, found it. But why? <laughs> but the Highlanders. Why, why are they doing it? Well, the Highlanders isn't part of it, so. Oh, did they, did that yeah, get resolved? Yeah, it's, it's not even on there, so. Oh, I thought it was going to be. Nope. Somehow it got listed on a bunch of websites, but never. Yeah, it did. well, that's what got me excited about it at first. But then, yeah, it's it's not even part of it. So then, why okay. are they doing it? <laughs> Just because it's special edition, they want to make they're going to milk some more money out of it. I think it part of it probably comes down to the fact now that we're talking about it, comes down to the fact that they aren't ready to do to release a uh, trout and box set, and so they're looking for small things to to do outside of the large box sets that they're doing. I really think it's all it comes down to. But okay, so if I get my just just for my edification, then I guess I'm confused. We're getting a new Power of the Daleks special edition, updated animation. 
with updated animation. That's the only new content that's well, on. Well, there's new bonus features too. Yeah, the bonus features, and I get the impression that it's just some tweaks to the animation too. It's not like all brand new animation. They're just they've yeah. tweaked some stuff basically. They polished it a little bit more. Yeah. And it, and and it's on Blu-ray this time because well, no, I guess they had it in Blu-ray in the UK too, didn't they? For the first one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we just did get it over here. No. And they still haven't had a U.S. release on this special edition that I've seen. No. Which they may not, which. All right, then, uh, yeah, pass. Yeah, it's, I, I was a bit miffed by all that. All right, three, two, one. Yeah, so let's move on and talk about this little op-ed piece. Um, it was published on the website called uh, Arc Digital Media. Um, and it's a piece by Hannah Long talking about, uh, the 13th doctor is the new sixth doctor and here's why. And she goes on to kind of make comparisons to, uh, Jodie Whittaker's 13th doctor and Colin Baker's sixth doctor. Um, if you haven't got a chance to read this, I'm going to put the link in the show notes, uh, so you can go through and look at it, but I just wanted to kind of get your guys' opinion. You guys read this, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. What'd you guys think of this? Um, my first impressions was it was, I think maybe when I started reading, I got a little defensive because I thought, no, I, I don't see the comparison at all. And I think she still sort of misses sort of the comparison while on the same, on the same, the same things that she's critiquing the show of doing, she seems to turn around and do th- the same thing by pigeonholing it into something that it's not which is what she's very critical of pigeonholing the 13th doctor season especially the recent one into how they uh, just kind of threw things in as fan service uh in the in the sixth doctor's era and how you know it was you you had to have seen something in the third doctor or the second doctor's era to make sense of something that was happening here and she's blaming the uh the new series of doing the same thing but at the same time she's comparing apples to oranges while she thinks that they're comparing apples to apples so i kind of got i got a little turned off on that well Um, her example she used was referring to peter capaldi and fires of pompeii right right. which isn't uh not as far removed (laughs) and it's there's no comparison i mean if you're comparing the 13th doctor to the sixth doctor you can't throw in a 12th doctor story in there well and i think showrunner i and she says you you know arguably chip nolan whitaker for that exactly and i think she's saying arguably um it's it's the same as they did with colin baker's era with like attack of the um cybermen where they called back to um some of the second doctor era stuff, but you're exactly right. You're making a comparison between the sixth doctor and the, and the 13th doctor. And then you use examples like that. So it's almost like at some point in this article, she started kind of reaching for comparisons. Yeah. Um, when, when I first saw the, the piece and I kind of thought, Oh boy, here we go again. And I, 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 I almost didn't even read it. And then I started to read it and it made just enough of a tentative connection that I kind of, kept going with it and then it turned into an attack piece and i got angry but then it came back around and it made just enough of a couple of connections it's like okay that one's valid yeah okay that one's valid and she she makes some interesting points with the way that um john nathan turner's approach to the show 
okay, it does kind of sort of feel similar to what Chris Chibnall is doing with the show. The antagonistic nature of the way that they've written Colin Baker could kind of sort of be related in some ways to what they're doing with Jodie Whittaker. Not antagonistic, but just in, in some of the ways back and forth with with some of the different things. And I'm not going to get into all the different details. You'd have to go and read the article if right, you're really right. interested. But um, it, it, it made some some things that were like, okay, I can kind of see where you're coming from with that. Yeah. Do I agree with it? Maybe. Maybe there's a couple of things here that... Well, that, I think that... There's some smoke, but... <laughs> well, I think another one of the inconsistencies that I would compare it to was um, she's comparing the 13th Doctor's Era and the 6th Doctor's Era, as, as uh, Keith had pointed out, and then does the Fires of Pompeii. She does the same thing, though, when she's comparing JNT to Chibnall. She uses some examples from the 5th Doctor's Era, which at that point, JNT had started in the 5th Doctor's Era and carried over into the 6th Doctor's Era. And so she's using comparisons of two different eras and two different doctors in order to compare two showrunners, which I don't think was fair either. So there's some inconsistency with that. The thing that I do maybe sort of agree with her is maybe kind of the the bland appearance of uh, the six doctors, the six doctors, you know, garish outfit just to be garish and Jody's sexless uh, apparel are simply outfits. They don't get, they don't lend anything to either character other than being an attention piece. Yeah, exactly. They're costumes instead of outfits. So I did, I did fall down on that side and and agree with her on that point. The other interesting point I thought she made was of trial of a time Lord and the timeless child, how they all resolved very similarly. I thought that was an, an interesting comparison that I hadn't thought of. I think though that if you, I, I agree. I, I on on the surface, on the surface I, level, on the surface where, level, I I agree. But I think because they're both very kind of grandiose ideas, and they are a bit game changing. It's almost like she was making it sound like Chibnall was copying, uh, Travel Time Lord ideal. I think you could probably make a lot of comparisons on how Doctor Who's borrowed upon itself. So I don't think that's a fair assessment to say, well, just because they had sort of these game changing overarching, uh, you know, things that, that, that stepped in and did something, uh, absolutely different with Dr. Who. And you can argue that you, you were doing a lot of things the same and repeating stuff, but then you're also making these grand changes. So it's almost a little bit, um, schizophrenic as well. <laughs> um, well, and that's the, you you said the right word not that long ago, Glenn, that the entire I think the entire article is just on the surface. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's real much that much depth to the article and its comparisons or criticisms. It's all surface level stuff. Uh, the, so that's the, why I can't take it too seriously. The biggest thing I take away from it, though, is and, and, and Sean, I think, was sort of uh, echoing this as well. It's not a hit piece. It's it it is it, it sh- while it's not in deeply critical, like it doesn't go into depth or support itself enough. At least it's not a lambasting of right. the Doctor, and it's not a love letter for the Thirteenth Doctor. She really does try to come down on the middle side of it and look at it from other perspectives. Yeah, so no, I appreciated ul- that. Ultimately, much. she does play fair, which yeah. I appreciated. Um, and you know, a- as you pointed out, is the schizophrenic nature. If you want to complain about the show borrowing from itself, you, you, you can go look no further than Tom Baker's 
Genesis of the Daleks. Right. You can argue that we've already done that story. Right. It's 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 a repeat of the Daleks. It's the origin of the Daleks. Oh, but we're going to do it differently. We even go back to that third Doctor Dalek story. It was pretty similar to a previous Plan- one too. Planet of the Daleks yeah. is yeah, very yeah. similar to um, yeah. And as we've joked, how many times has the Earth been destroyed by solar flares? I mean, it's just <laughs> how, how many times have we gone to Atlantis? There, there are certain themes that continue to come up in the show that are going to continue to come up in the show, and partly because of the the, the mythological nature of, of these themes, and partly because, well, it's just a good story. You know, if you've got a good yarn, there's no reason to throw it out. You just find a way to put a new spin on it. And unlike a lot of other media, when you've got 50 plus years of, of television lore to borrow from, you're going to end up copying some ideas. You're going to end up, especially when you are trying to please both long-term fans and uh, new fans, you're going to end up borrowing some stuff in order that maybe inadvertently borrow it um, in, in the, in the process. Yep. Yep. Cool. All right. Well, one of the reasons why we are socially distancing ourselves and we're actually recording these from our homes is because we are still dealing with COVID-19. And because of COVID-19, I think a really cool thing in Doctor Who fandom has happened. And that has been the Doctor Who uh, lockdown, which I think was previously called Who at Home. Um, It's the tweet along that has been happening um, where everybody basically gets their own copies of particular stories and they get together and they, uh, everybody hits play at a certain time and then everybody uh, joins in the fun. They do tweet alongs. Um, there uh, is a uh, usually been connected a uh, special guest. Um, we've had uh, Russell T. Davis involved in these. We've had, um, and, and then this is the tweet alongs of so David Tennant. Um, Matt Smith. Uh, Matt Smith, Donna Noble, what's her name? Uh, Catter yeah, Tate. <laughs> uh, even, um, oh, uh, help me. So, uh, Rich, uh, Bill, Bill Nye uh, was tweeting Richard along Curtis. with Richard Curtis. Um, so Neil there's Gaiman, been a I think, did one, didn't he? Who's that? Didn't Neil Gaiman do one? Neil Gaiman, yeah, with uh, Sophia the Miles. Sophia Miles has been involved. So a lot of people that have been connected, like big names that have been connected, have, have, have been uh, uh, joining on this, uh, which has been a real lot of fun. But I think one of the things that I've really, really been excited about is every time they do one of these, they end up having some supplemental material uh, that uh, comes out as well. And I think credit where credit's due. I think uh, Emily Cook, who who is a um, well, she's an editor at Doctor Who magazine, was sort of this was sort of her brainchild. Um, this had come about um, based on just a simple, hey, we should all watch an episode of Doctor Who and tweet along. And I think the first one was Day of the Doctor, right? That was uh, the first big uh, one. Let, let, let's be honest here. Credit where credit is due. <laughs> Uh, for the lockdown, it has been Emily Cook all the way. Friday night, who? One hundred seven years ago. Emily Cook is the creator of this because we weren't the first ones tweeting along the Doctor Who either. There have been many before us. Yeah, um, but we're but the ones who made it cool. For this sort of thing, this thing that's come together and, and really kind of brought, I think, fandom together uh, entirely goes to her. And a lot of this, I don't know if you've noticed, a lot of the supplemental material has been produced by her. She gets a producer credit on these as mm-hmm. well. So that's been pretty cool. Um, but as we said, I think uh, Day of the Doctor was the very first one that came out. And before that, we have, we got a little uh, uh, hint from her and from Stephen Moffat, who rejoined Twitter specifically 
in order to do uh, this tweet along with it. Uh, and he did a, a little treat for us called Strax Saves the Day, which got uh, Dan Starkey involved. Uh, doing that little video of uh, Strax, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, pretty much introduced, just doing sort of a version of what he did for the 50th anniversary, except for it was a little stuffed tra- Strax doll uh, with Dan Starkey's voice. And then uh, Madden Vastra, um, oh, uh, what's the actress's name? Help me out. Neve uh, McIntosh. Thank you. Neve McIntosh even pitched in and helped uh, with her voice as well. So. Uh, what did you guys think of this one? I thought this was a lot of fun. In fact, this was the this was the one that surprised me. And and yeah, I mean, I, I think it surprised us all because it was the first one. But when I saw that they were doing that, I thought, wow, this is kind of cool—a neat little uh, nugget to add on to make this kind of fun. And I think that's what sort of kicked off my excitement for it. Was yeah, it was fun to sit down and watch uh, and and tweet along with you know Stephen Moffat tweeting and and uh, talking about Day of the Doctor, but to have uh, I think even David Tennant was uh, tweeting it along that day too, wasn't he? And Billy Piper, I believe they all were involved that day. Uh, anyway, uh, that was cool in itself, but to have the little extra nugget of material that really kind of made it feel like we were taking this seriously and it was an event thing, even though it was a silly little thing like this little video, I think that's what really kind of nailed it for me was, hey, this is a really cool thing that's happening. It definitely yeah, the video was absolutely hilarious. <laughs> it definitely had an error. Also, I think there was an added plus for anybody who had seen it in the theater. If you if you were fortunate enough, as we were, to get to go and catch Day of the Doctor in a theater environment and get this little short, um, and of course it was on the it was on one of the special features on the DVD. But mm-hmm. seeing it on the big screen in 3D. And having Strax throw popcorn at you and 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 all that nonsense to then turn around and rework those same jokes this way, it was just kind of a a perfect bookend in a way. Um, I, I it, it kind of hit me with not only this this is fun, but also this kind of big wave of nostalgia. And oh yeah, I remember when we were there and did that. I mean, so it, it kind of just had this added added oomph to it. Yeah, that's true. All right, and then moving on to the next little piece of material that came out was actually something from uh, Chris Chibnall. Um, we got uh, things she thought while falling, and uh, this I think was coordinated with um, the the BBC because this was a short story that was actually put out on the website at the same time, uh, or not at the same time, but near to this. I think it was the uh, just a few days later that this came out. And uh, it's a cool little short story of sort of what was going through her mind after she fell from the TARDIS and before she landed in that train where she meets up with uh, Yaz, Ryan, and, and uh, Graham. And um, I thought it was kind of neat. Um, we've always sort of in the back of our minds wondered, how, you know, things like how did she survive the fall? Um, you know, what, what, you know, what happened in that interim time and why does she just sort of end up there? And while I don't think it necessarily goes far in explaining those mystery things, it softens that mystery of what was going on because she talks about the regenerative energy. She admits that it's going to hurt when she lands. Um, 
she she just the fact that she ends up where she ends up comes down to the just the you know smelling the air and realizing that it's you know earth and that it's uh you know england more specifically and then even zeroing it down to south yorkshire i thought was was kind of neat little things uh that, that were added and peppered in there yeah this one more so than the strax got me excited of oh this is kind of canon contents they're going to do more stuff than just silly little videos. This mm-hmm. is really cool. That's This is the one that got me excited about the content they're putting out. And I think because this was, was the, also really well, well written. I think this was at the point where I kind of felt like uh, the BBC was getting on board with this. And I'm glad that they did early. Um, I think they realized that this was an opportunity. I mean, and obviously it, it was very opportunistic of them. But I think in, in a right way, they realized that they had something blossoming here that they needed to be a part of and that's what they did and i think that I, that's why i think that it's it's really cool that they got on in the ground floor very early on and uh started sanctioning some of this stuff that was being associated with the lockdown agreed well, it, it, it works both ways for them i mean you can um obviously the 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 doctor who creative uh, group is such a uh, a fruitful and giving a, a group of people anyway that once word kind of got out that Chibnall had said hey we would like to do this would you you know contribute something oh yeah okay once you have that then the BBC can either get on board or get out of the way <laughs> right exactly <laughs> you know? exactly and 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 the BBC to their credit was like well, we don't have a product at the moment. We should take advantage of this wellspring of creative talent and continue to promote the product that we're going to have eventually. So, right. yes, absolutely. Let us help you with that. What can we do? And just kind of just kind of ran with it. I think what helps too is they took it one step further with the next with the follow up to this, and that was having a message from the doctor, which was the uh, little video message from Jody Whitaker in character as the thirteenth doctor, almost kind of as a reassurance to people that hey, we're in this together, we're going to get through this. You know, we've seen worse, she's seen worse, and you know, we're all in this together. And I thought that was it was kind of a nice little motivational PSA. Uh, working in continuity, but also working as, you know, sort of a meta item to say, hey, we're all in this together. Even the doctor, you know, it's it's kind of, it's almost taking comfort in something that you love, that, you know, we are all doing this together and it's for the better, you know, the betterment of humanity. And I liked that about that. It really also made me like Jody even more as a person because she filmed this at home in her closet. Mm-hmm. So she yeah. obviously has a costume at home too. And is totally willing to just dress up and film these sort of things, <laughs> which I mean, that really shows me that she's embraced the role. It's 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 not a paycheck for her. It's, it's no, something she's yeah. passionate about. I agree. I did I did scrutinize the costume a little bit because I could tell it wasn't screen accurate. But I thought Close you know enough. a for effort, a for effort. I, I was um, excited because, as you pointed out, filmed at home. And you, after, you know, starting with this one, but after several of these, you begin to go, everybody's house kind of looks like mine. (laughs) You know, I mean, you're trying to fake it. You know, it's one thing when you've got Patrick Stewart reading sonnets out by the pool. Right. right. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. But no, we're, we're trying to make this, oh, the doctor's hiding somewhere. 
okay, it's got to look like a room in the TARDIS or Rory is sitting by the fire, but you know, it, exactly. it, it can't look like any place that could look like normal, you know? So it's just, okay, it's gotta be a blank wall. Okay. Yeah. Go find a blank wall in your house. All these houses look my mind. That's what I took away from it. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Uh, and then we sort of moved into, uh, the next, uh, tweet along, which ended up being, uh, Rose was the next one. And I think that took place on March 26th and getting involved in that was Russell T Davis and, uh, Mark Benton. Oh, we, we should say, uh, these all had hashtags too, which I thought were very cleverly done. And I hope they continue to, uh, come up with really clever hashtags, but, um, But dropping with that one, uh, we got a really cool um, thing called Doctor Who in the Time War, which was, come to find out, Russell's, uh, RTD's uh, idea of the lead-in from uh, the time, basically a handoff from the Eighth Doctor to the Ninth Doctor, sort of what happened in the, 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 the last days of the Eighth Doctor uh, leading up to uh, the uh, end of the time war, uh, imagining what the moment was like, uh, dropping some of the references of, of the Nightmare Child and things like that, and then, you know, obviously moving on into uh, the regeneration of Nine. Now, this, interestingly enough, was a concept that was asked to be done for the 50th uh, year by Doctor Who magazine, and he had sort of wrote this up, and they uh went to Stephen Moffat to kind of get some approval who was a store at the time and was kind of had a lot of say in, in what could couldn't be published. And he did say, you know, I, I do have something in mind uh for the handoff and can you hold back on this? And so they actually that's why this didn't end up getting published is because uh we as we find out later, Stephen Moffat had other ideas for how things were going to work with John Hurt being uh, you know in in between doctor and things like that. But it was really kind of cool to see this piece of possibility um, come out and serve as a non-canonical now quasi or a prequel to Rose. Definitely a fascinating what if, and interesting parallels to actual Day of the Doctor, like the description of the moments being uh, oak and brass. Oak and brass, yeah. Uh, that, uh, I think uh, it was Russell said in a uh, commentary about it that he thinks that maybe they were both channeling McGann's style of TARDIS when they were writing that. And he wonders if maybe that was because that's why the similarities are there. It's an interesting um, take on what, what might've been. And of course, now that, uh, you know, Chibnall has given us, uh, all, all, all doctors are canon, then, uh, you know, that this doesn't have to be a, a, an alternative tale. It, uh, it certainly can <laughs> no, fit there. No, there are, there, there are, there are still rules. There's no unknown doctor here. Right. Right. There, the, there are still rules within the continuity. I mean, no, it, there are it, it ex- still, there still exists an area of establishment. It's there are the, no rules. It's, it's the, it's the bookends that have now been pushed further away. And so that I think is, is the, I think the thing we have to take away from what we know now, not to say they won't step in and establish something later and then canonize this and Shulka doctor, which the timeless children does not do as well. Uh, you can argue that, that, that doctor could be a previous incarnation 
but I think that that still doesn't work in the sense that, 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 uh, where that doctor falls. But so uh, now that's my question is having read this as you were reading this, knowing what this was uh, meant to be, did you visualize eight actually regenerating into nine? Did you have to fight any internal headcanon to not see John Hurt regenerating into nine since he was the war doctor? Or was it, uh, you know, what, what was it? Uh, was it uh, uh, eight going into Shaka? <laughs> uh, what I'm about to say will probably go against that Shaka statement, but no, I, I, I visualized it. I, my head cannon didn't get in the way. And I think probably because until John Hurt in 2000, what was that? Two, uh, 2013. Until they introduced the concept of someone in between there, I always had it in my head that eight became nine. And so this story, knowing that it was placed before Rose, took me back to that time when I remembered, you know, when, back when I thought that. And so I was easy. It was easy to visualize that. Now, going against that, I did know that uh, Shalka Doctor existed and I had read or had seen uh, uh, Scream of the Shalka. So that maybe sort of plays against that. But, but, but when Christopher Eccleston came on the scene, I always visualized uh, McGann's doctor regenerating into uh, Eccleston's doctor. Keith? I didn't have any issues. <laughs> More than anything, it was, I visualized McGann from the movie instead of Night of the Doctor. The outfit. Yeah, well, uh, yeah. All of I that think stuff I did just too. because that's yeah. the image used on the cover. Yeah, I think I did the same. Okay, just curious. Uh, moving on from that, then uh, we got uh, Revenge of the Nesting, um, which in turn was a sequel, I guess, to uh, um, Rose, um, which I thought was... It was an. Uh, here's what I take for away from this. Um, Russell T. Davis is a is a, a terrific writer. He's a great wordsmith. I've always enjoyed his stories that he wrote for television, but I don't think I've ever read anything that he's written in prose. And it wasn't until I read these that I realized how elegant of a writer he is, and how he can really paint a picture with words. And I think the story is beautifully written. I think it's very clever. But I almost think it's unnecessary. It's maybe because it doesn't really have a point other than to be a coda on Rose. It, it didn't grab me in any way as far as, ooh, like, uh, you know, I, I didn't really care what happened next to the, to the uh, nesting consciousness. So there was no wow factor, I guess, for me. It's one of those um, codas that... Had there been a Auton sequel more yes. than what we've ever gotten, I would be, ooh, okay, this is how they survived. Right. Otherwise, it's just like, ooh, they survived and are out there somewhere. I guess you can kind of maybe connect it to a unit story that you guys haven't listened to yet. Uh, maybe. And I don't think that that was his goal, though. If I don't he think it had, was. If he wasn't involved in that. My thought was that he was somehow trying to connect this to um, when uh, at least I thought he was going this direction when Moffat brings them back in Pandorica opens, 
Um, but I couldn't see a connection there as to how that would happen because that, you know, this nesting consciousness, at least iteration was stranded in the 20th century or 21st century. But those were, you know, back in the time of Cleopatra, you know, Roman empire. So it didn't, it, it didn't end up connecting. I think I so badly wanted it to have some, like you said, if there was some sort of continuation to the Auton story that, that this was a nice little bridge for, I probably would have enjoyed it more. I guess he was also just probably trying to make a political statement and explain their prime minister. Dang. Oh, <laughs> I didn't even, you know what? Now you say that I didn't even get that, but you're right. I bet that's exactly what they were doing. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Yeah. I, I didn't even, hadn't even considered that. That's exactly what was happening there. That show, our American side is showing. uh so next on the schedule then was uh vincent the doctor um which uh richard curtis matt smith tony curran karen gillen and emma fruit all uh involved in uh which i think was the probably the largest lineup they'd had at this point of people involved in the tweet along and along with that um i think we ended up getting what was that incoming message i think was next uh, which didn't really connect. Um, I don't think we got anything for Vincent and the Doctor. Right. His incoming right. message is Yvonne Hartman. That's right. And that was, um, oh, that was another Russell T. Davis. He had sort of a trilogy of things as well. Um, that was Yvonne Hartman doing her piece from um, Torchwood One from, uh, what was the two part story? Uh, Army of Ghosts and Doomsday. Doomsday. Doomsday, yeah. So that was a, a neat little callback. Um, I think Russell T. Davis confirmed that that was um, actually Pete's world, Yvonne. And uh. I believe that I believe that somehow this Yvonne even connects to the Torchwood audio story that they did with this universe's Yvonne. So I, I'm not sure how because we haven't listened to it, but he made it sound like it also connects to that as well. So yeah. Uh... Pete's world Yvonne is in aliens among us from torture. Okay. So that's, that's probably where he's, what he's referring to there. So it's, this is kind of similar to that doctor one where it's just, you know, it's cool. It's cool yeah. to see her come back and do something. Yeah. Agreed. Um, so yeah, as you said, nothing really connected to Vincent, the doctor um, 11th hour was next in line. And I think at about that time was when we got uh, press play which was the uh what was that one i can't remember that one this is the one where susan pops up in the tardis while 13 is there with the message and essentially made doctor who canon the show doctor who canon within the universe yeah (laughs) (laughs) which i thought was really clever and really well i thought so too yeah um it's it was one of those things that it was so clever. It, it was, it was, that's just, it was clever. I, I almost wanted to say, oh, it was very heartwarming to that, that Susan had left these messages, you know, for the doctor. She had she set this system up for her. Uh, but then, yeah, it brings in the meta, <laughs> the meta aspect of the fact that she can watch, she can rewatch her uh, adventures 
in time and space, even making the reference that there are a few missing episodes, which I, I thought was kind of clever as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, yeah, it, it starts out as a, a nice little awe moment of, of the doctor and, and Susan, uh, the doctor getting to see Susan again, uh, as she was when she left her. Um, but then turns uh, turns on itself and becomes a little a self-referential, which I thought was it was was clever. But uh, and I think maybe the, the the heartwarming part of it has already been sort of overdone because we have had Paul McGann and uh, uh, Paul McGann's doctor and Susan in audio now. Uh, we've sort of had that you know reuniting moment. Uh, the first doctor reunited with Susan in the five doctors. So it has happened before. It's not like we're longing for it. Um, I know there are people on another podcast that we, we do <laughs> at every chance they get <laughs> want to see Susan return to the series. But, um, I, you know, it was, it, it was what it was. It was, it was a neat little story. Well, it also feels a little real world referential in the fact that she's alone on the TARDIS and it's the isolation aspect of yeah, things. Yeah. And it's, it's, it all kind of ties in together too. And that started, starts becoming a reoccurring theme in a lot of these uh, special things that they were doing. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, the next one was called in of isolation. It, yeah. This one, the next one was called breaking isolation, which was just a cute little comic that uh, Russell T Davis tweeted out, or I think it might've been on his Instagram. Um, but anyway, yeah, it, it had come out and it's just this cute little, uh, thing with the Daleks having, taking the top of their casings off and they're tossing a ball around. Oh, it's actually a re-release from now we are 600. Cause you remember he did those illustrations. Oh for yeah. That That's right. Collection. Yeah. Okay. This is actually a, a, a picture out of that book. Oh, very good. I did not realize that. Neither did I. Oh, very cool. Um, now we get to the true 11th Doctor tie-in. And right, exactly. The Raggedy Doctor. Yes. Which I think that of everything that we had gotten, this was where you you could tell that they were ready to sort of dig their heels in and get really serious with these supplemental materials because this, I think, is the first one that, that was well-produced. Mm-hmm. Um it's still very simplistic in nature. It's still a, a, you know, an actor doing a voiceover we don't see on camera, but we've got some, you know, uh, mild animations, at least some moving pictures with the book, flipping pages and seeing the, the images in it. But I think what was really cool was that Caitlin Blackwood came back and re, uh, reprised her role as Amelia Pond, little Amelia Pond, um, and sort of kind of filling in that time between meeting the raggedy doctor and uh the doctor coming back and i thought that was really cool it was that was a it, it was there's certainly ones that made me cry more than this one but this one i shed a little tear on it i thought it was it was just very heartfelt which i thought was really neat yeah it really was and caitlin totally still sounds like little amelia pond <laughs> <laughs> yeah she I, I was very prepared to go into this and not hear her i mean i've met the woman Mm-hmm. No, there's there's no way she's going to be nope still still little amelia i think that's what the way she, she sells it is she has the yeah she has the she has the inflection in her voice and she puts the little nuances on it that a, a very young you know like a 10 year old girl would do yeah and i think that's why she sells it and i don't think she's like that in real life because you know when we talk to her she's very well-spoken very elegant woman but she knows where this is and i think that's the, the calling of a true actress 
is mm-hmm. when they can put themselves in, you know, not just doing a role, but doing a role that you did, you know, 10 years ago or not quite that many, but seven, you know, seven, eight years ago and being able to, to nail that, uh, as, and, and convincingly enough, um, as your younger self, I thought was really well done. And it yeah. was 10 years ago. It was for the 10th oh, anniversary it's, of the oh, that's right. I did the too long for. You're absolutely right. Good stuff. And then next up uh, was Terror of the Umpty Ooms, which I thought was um, actually, I think, another self-referential story, but mm-hmm. really cleverly done because I did not know where they were going with it. So in fact, when I it is set up, I was convinced that this was some sort of infiltrating robot oh, in yeah. hiding out in a kid's home. And then as the story progresses and we find out what, is going on i thought oh this is very clever she is trying to convince this kid that he's you know he's created this delusion and that he's actually wearing an earpiece but he thinks that she's in her head because he, she, he has what was it dissociative uh something disorder i can't remember what it's called mm-hmm. um he obviously has this and she's sort of kind of pulling him back to uh one is his his probably his root personality and um only to find out even later that she's not even there. It's in his mind and it's everything that he's sort of absorbed from the television series, which I thought was very cool to have another layer on top of that. I thought Stephen Moffat did a great job capturing 13's voice. Yeah. I know that he, he says that he was right for the doctor, but I, I think it was pretty clear that he tailored things to be Jodie Whittaker esque. Yeah. And, and I think that, I think it's easy to say that you write for the doctor, but I think when you step away from it and then you observe somebody else being the doctor, then you write for how they've become the doctor. Mm-hmm. And so I think that it's in turn when you, when he, you know, as he's writing and he has somebody surrounding him, he realizes that whatever he gives them, they're going to turn into gold. And then he realizes also writing for a doctor later that's been established that he has nothing to do with he realizes that the gold's already there. He just has to mine it now. This, this would have been a very different Matt Smith in mm-hmm. his head yeah. story than Absolutely. a, a Jody story. Um, but but um, certainly would have been a different um, uh, Peter Capaldi as well. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> now I kind of want to read that one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, of, of these little short stories we got, this one was probably one of the the meatiest I thought. I thought there was a yeah. lot more substance to this and more ideas and more clever things in this than most of most of everything we've gotten pretty much is kind of fluffy and fun. And this was kind of something meaty and could have been kind of almost the true sto- an actual story. And like and, an and actual quite surprisingly something. Yeah. Like after the the light fluffy, oh just here's another little, you know, mm-hmm. short Doctor Who story to get into this and suddenly go Oh, 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 we're going there with it. Okay. You know, the, it, it wasn't, it wasn't at all what I expected, you know, going into it or coming out of it, which was, uh, uh, quite surprising. Yeah. I think they, I think they've done a good job of, um, pacing these out and really kind of striking a balance with, um, some lighter things, some more meta things, some deep things, some very emotional things, some fun things, some funny things. I, I think they've done a good job of striking that balance as they release each of these things. 
Um, which brings us to the next time, which next one, which was uh, United We Stand Two Meters Apart, which was a webcast that Jody did um, again in character as the third doctor or 13th, not third doctor. No, she did it as a 13th doctor. That's the one she portrays. Um, and this one felt almost like a. The BBC decided we needed a more professional <laughs> looking PSA. <laughs> and so they actually put her in front of a different wall <laughs> in her house, probably. Yeah, it was um, still in her house. She, <laughs> she just has a green wall somewhere. <laughs> and I think she, uh, while where the first one sort of played loose, fast and loose with the fact that we were, it was almost a parallel that she was somewhere in isolation but not really necessarily COVID related, but oh, relating on Parans. Yeah. But relating it to what we were going through. So we were seeing, we were getting a message through parallels. I think this one's a little more direct. This is the one where they decided this is, a, this is going to be an address of handling, you know, the guidelines, uh, handling the COVID-19 crisis in the real world. And I think the BBC felt that they they needed to do another one of these. It was a, maybe a little more direct approach. And I think that's where they landed with this one. Yeah, agreed. Kind of a, a reminder. Yeah. And I don't fault them at all for doing it. I think it was it's a good it's a good thing. It's a service uh, to people, uh, reminding them that hey, you know, we're we're still in the middle of this. We're still in the midst of this. So uh, you know, stay safe. And I think they did that there. Uh, next up was Rory's story, which um, I believe Game uh, Neil Gaiman actually penned this one. Right? This was yep. uh, this one coincided with uh, the Doctor's wife. Um, this one I thought was neat. Um, nothing really special or very cool about it other than the fact that it's you know the what's what's the son's name um anthony anthony anthony's on the way and he's recording this story and my first thought was when i see him you know talking to a camera and he's got you know sort of like 19 uh 20s or four uh 1940s 1940s digs you know on there's a kind of a classic lamp to his left um, but he's recording it on an iPhone. I mean, they've even got the little like timer at the top and the, the little iPhone button, you know, to play record. And I thought, this is kind of weird. How are they going to explain this? And it was when he simply, he, <laughs> he leans all the way into the lens and says the only iPhone in, or the only smartphone in existence. <laughs> and I thought, okay, I'll buy it. <laughs> Why and, not? You know, I, I don't know how they're charging this thing, but we're going to go with it. They you know, obviously maybe, had a charger in their purse. Or... Well, here's the thing. The doctor has always done something to his companion's cell phones in order for them to talk to their, you know, loved ones over time and space from different, you know, parts of the universe and different time zones and everything. I just kind of figured that whatever little zap he does also fixes the battery. So they have, you know, a, a two million year charge that's true because they never have a pot point where oh no my battery's dead exactly yeah so can you imagine what uh interstellar roaming would do to the battery (laughs) i I mean the drain on that thing i i can't listen to spotify without (laughs) just what's nice is it also ties into that ps story that we got yeah after the end of after their run on the show yeah and quasi canonizes that that's what i was about to say was um we've always sort of looked at that the the ps story as sort of being outside 
just outside the scope of canon. But I think this, yeah, this definitely puts the footing right into canonizing that piece. I always consider it a canon. I have to. I mean, whatever's part of your head canon, but we've always talked about how maybe, you know, referentially it's probably just outside canon. It is now. (laughs) They fixed it. So that was fun. And then we come up to um, the beginning of the the Shadow Trilogy, as it's been called now. Uh, Paul Cornell's first story, The Shadow Passes. Uh, Which again, pretty one. (laughs) Which again becomes sort of a um, parallel storytelling to what's happening now, Um, putting the Doctor and companions in a situation of isolation, just as we're experiencing, giving us something sort of to relate to, which I thought was very cleverly done. Um, The Doctor dealing with this in the way she does i think cornell drills down and really brings out a piece of the doctor that we kind of take for granted um that she's being she does things very at least the 13th doctor is doing things very selfishly selflessly sorry in order to ease the companions who she knows is going through things on a different level and I thought that was a really clever way to tell that story while also putting them in an isolation situation and being able to parallel it to what we're sort of going through as humanity. And the other it's thing- so interesting to see them portray the 13th Doctor going through this, whereas I'm thinking back to the 11th Doctor in The Power of Three. and Going stir crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just. And yeah, this is how this doctor would react to this sort of situation and how she'd try to keep her companions calm and relaxed. And, and as opposed to the reverse, where the companions would be trying to keep the doctor calm and relaxed. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, parts frustrating from a, I totally get why this is written this way because we're, we're, we're locked in our houses. We are, you know, under lockdown. And this was meant to be a, a companion piece for us. Okay, gotcha. But then there's the other part of me, the storyteller, the grand adventure part of it that's like Death Moon. What <laughs> part of that are we not going to go investigate? We are not concerned at all that this thing shows up every 64 years. We're just going to go, oh, okay, three weeks underground. <laughs> Death Moon. <laughs> okay, I'll sit on my hands on that one and wait because I know yeah. we're going to talk about it. Oh, I was just glad that they didn't actually just stay in the one room the whole time. I, my first thought was, why aren't they exploring and talking to these other people? Why are they being locked in a room? It's not like it's a cell. <laughs> right. But and they, they, and they were. do get out. Right. So. right. Um, also, there's uh, the quick mention of the uh, little girl with the balloon in the uh, mirror. And the doctor, you know, entertaining the the idea of of mercy, which on the surface of that, if you catch, I didn't catch it the first time. If you, but if you catch it, it's you realize it's a nod to human nature, which is also the the Paul Cornell story. And it wasn't until the second read that I went, oh gosh, that yeah, that was in there. I didn't equate it to human nature, but I recalled reading it and wondering what that was about. Um, and so 
we're going to get to the other one because we have one in between here, but I thought that was kind of a neat way to subtly make this the first story of that trilogy that comes along. Mm -hmm. Um, Because in between there came (laughs) probably my favorite of all of these. Mine too. Um, the uh, farewell Sarah Jane, which I think we've all sort I I think maybe we've all longed for this for a long time. I don't know that any of us ever expected we would see it addressed. Um, but to be able to come back around and do this and give Russell T Davies a chance to uh, Davis to do this and, and put some closure on that story, I think what was the perfect touch. Um, and then also to have all of the the kids come back and be a part of this was just amazing. <laughs> just that's what I, I was bawling not, not a minute and a half kids, into this. But having Joe there and Ace yes. and everybody that yeah, just yeah. it wasn't just a story, it was more than a story. And well, and I think felt like the, the actors themselves were also saying goodbye to her. I think that's what's cool about it is that they they subtly step through each one from from not, I don't want to say importance to their least important to most important but maybe least um least referential to most referential so like Joe Jones having that one adventure with her um mm-hmm. and 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 the connection that she had uh Ace was a, 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 a strange one, but the way that it was done was done well because it's like Ace, we've all agreed that Ace got that mention uh, in uh, that uh, story where everybody wondered if it was Dottie or, if, or not Dottie, uh, Dodo, or if it was uh, Ace. Uh, we, we all knew it was Ace, but that she had set up that, uh, what's the, the World Society thing that she's done? Um, you guys know what I'm talking about. She, she, yeah. they, they, but they drop that uh, line that that set up. Which, word. yes, that's it. Which the BBC then canonized with the uh, uh, trailer for the Seventh Doctor box set that we got, um, and, and finalized, the, put put the stamp on. Yes, that's who she was referring to, to bring her in to, to reference Sarah Jane and talk about that. And it was almost that I think. Ace is probably the companion that we all maybe parallel with Sarah Jane. We compare Ace and the Seventh Doctor to Sarah Jane and the Fourth Doctor's at least their relationship rise wise. Um, how they're 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 not only mentors, but you know the Doctor's not only a mentor in a way, but also a very good friend, and becomes more and more so the longer they are together. And so I think that's why Ace was very appropriate here because it was almost a stand in for that type of relationship that uh, the the doctor and the companion had. Um, And then having obviously Ronnie's mom, we we sort of get closer Mm -hmm. and closer to the importance of the characters and then ending with the three Clyde, Luke, and then Ronnie. Um, and somehow I wondered when just all why... the name drops of everyone who attended also. Oh, yeah, that was so cool. That was so cool. Um, I think even the way that the, the order that they did them at first sort of surprised me, but it was almost like the, the story really, even though she was 
she she came late to the to the game. Ronnie came late to the game. Um, the first season was uh, I can't remember the actress's name. Maria. Yeah. Well, I, was, I couldn't remember the actress's name, but yeah, Maria. Oh yeah. Uh, but it, even when it was Maria, the the show was always sort of a rose take. It was that perspective. It was from Maria and in turn was from Ronnie's perspective, even though, you know, Clyde obviously, you know, is the, is the fun, quirky sidekick and Luke is the son. He's, he was the crux of, of Sarah, you know, uh, uh, rescuing him from the, the Bane. Um, but it really was sort of Ronnie was the grounding of that. And so I kind of appreciated the fact that they ended with her because really everything, because she lived across the street and she was, this mm-hmm. was, she was kind of our anchor. I think she was, you know, Luke was this kid that we maybe didn't necessarily as viewers associate with because he was also this genius. He was this alien. Um, but Ronnie was kind of our surrogate into that world. She was the one that we identify, I think, with maybe her and Clyde to, to a point, but I think she's the one that we identify with. And I think that, that it was appropriate that they ended it with her. I'm taking up a lot of the chat here. What do you guys think of this one? I loved it. I thought it was fantastic, even though it made me cry. Yeah, I um, I didn't know what I was getting into. <laughs> I, I really, I, I really didn't. Um, I, I just kind of was going down the list, and it came up Feral Sir Jane, and I went, oh, and clicked on it, and it was a video, and I went, oh. And then it started. And um, I made it about a minute. <laughs> it's about a minute and a half in when you the waterworks start. And um, I had to turn it off. I, 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 was, I was at work. I was not. <laughs> I, 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 was, I was not emotionally prepared or uh, 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 capable uh, to deal with it. So I, I, I kind of sat on it. And uh, then I brought it home. And uh, I told Mel. I was like. You you you've got to watch this with me, and then we wound up not even getting to it. It wound up being a couple of days before we could uh, uh, kind of get to it, <laughs> and so we we cuddled up and, and watched it. And I'm not ashamed to say that yeah, the waterworks were were pretty horrific. Oh yeah, that was <laughs> this is the one that did it for me. It was like oh oh okay, I'm just forget it. I'm crying. <laughs> and I, I, the, what got me the worst. I mean, there, there, you know, the, 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 the tears started with the, the name dropping and the, who was there and even the ridiculous story about, well, they turned out to be minions of the trickster, but we locked them in this chest and threw them in the Atlantic. Just the, the fun absurdity of the little stories like that. I'm smiling yeah. through the, through the memories. But when, when, when Joe showed up and, and, um, she says, I know you're all, you know, wondering where the doctor is, but think about it. He has two hearts. There's, there's no way he could have. Mm-hmm. Oh man, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm starting to do it again. <laughs> um, and it's, I, I was, I was really torn because it was one of those, like you said, Glenn. This was a moment that we kind of, you know, I don't think we ever thought that we would get this. I, we, I, I genuinely, and it was a part of me. I didn't think I wanted it. It was just kind of almost better that we didn't acknowledge it. Mm-hmm. You know, the, it, it just kind of, we, we, we knew it happened, but we don't have to talk about it. And we just, it's, it's over there, but then we have the opportunity now and we can acknowledge it. And, you know, it's not something that 
that that closure that I didn't think that I wanted that apparently I did, I needed. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, well, but then it still also kind of leaves it open to the idea that she's out there traveling with the doctor. Oh, we yeah, have the ending is so beautiful. <laughs> and the other thing I really loved about it, in addition to everything you've said, was the playing catch up with the three kids, finding out what they've been up to since yeah. the series ended. I thought that was fantastic, and I thought they were true to all the characters perfectly. Yep. Even the references to what Maria has been up to. Yeah. And, and Sky showing up in her human form. Yeah. <laughs> um, the only fault, and and I don't know, Keith, maybe you agree with me. I needed to see K9. <laughs> yeah. There was reference to him. Yeah. But we didn't see him. It was it was great to hear that he left with Ace because of all of the companions that would take him home. Yeah. I'm okay with that. Yeah. <laughs> because now I <laughs> Oh, the fan. Give me that adventure now. <laughs> yeah. Ace and canine beating up Baleks. Yeah. Yes, please. That's a big finish story series waiting to happen. <laughs> but, um, uh-huh. um, yeah, no, I just, I, I needed a, I just needed a, I just needed a picture of him <laughs> put in the, or even, in, you know. in the thing. I don't know if I could have handled John Leeson coming back to say goodbye. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I'll tell much. you. You talk about it was rough when Mister Smith said it. You talk about all the feels. Yeah, I watched this on April nineteenth, which, as we know, is the anniversary of her death, and was also the day and the reason we did the tweet along to the Stolen Earth and Journey's End. So I watched that. Was I was reminded earlier in the day that it was the anniversary of her death, because and that's why we we're doing Stolen End and Journey's Earth, Journey's End, and then that drops, and I watched that, and I ball my eyes out of that, and then I watched Stolen Earth and Journey's End that afternoon, and all the feels come back for that one too, because then they're all good feels. I mean, I'm still crying, but it's it's they're all good cries. Um, not that the, not that the farewell story wasn't a good cry. It was, but in a different way. So it was just, it was a whole day of emotion for me on that day. <laughs> and it was my anniversary, <laughs> my wedding anniversary. <laughs> Happy anniversary. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Related. Right. <laughs> Anyway, but then that is followed up with, we get a little bit of a happier note, um, the simple things. This was a fun little story. This was Graham and much the about football, football, right? But... Well, and, and especially... Uh, football. You know, What's a football? European football, actual football. Yeah. <laughs> football. Um, football. Um, yeah, it, no, it was neat. I think it was kind of it, it, so typical in the fashion that, that Graham would want to do something and then things go amok. I mean, so much in the, and I could, I could completely hear Graham in his voice complaining that, you know, it's always me, you know, I, I never get <laughs> what I'm looking for only to turn around and it be even better for him. And I think it's, it's written very cleverly in a way that the doctor so easily gets dropped in these situations, especially when there's um, elements out of their time. And, you know, we go into an entire episode of how she has to fix things so that, you know, something doesn't happen. 
But in this case, they turn it on their head by her allowing for this because there's another way to deliver a message or teach a lesson here. And I thought that was really kind of a clever uh, device in, in the storytelling. You know, draconian here, out of time, making a deal with lesser species for a warship. You know, she doesn't have to stop it now. She knows it's something that she doesn't have to deal with until the future. And hey, maybe th- there's a lesson here for, for this draconian as well. Plus draconians. Yeah. <laughs> Dr- draconians and new who. <laughs> and yeah, absolutely right about hearing Graham's voice. I just, I just hear, I mean, Bradley Walsh just oozed off the page with this. He really Graham. did. This one kind of, well, this one doesn't have as much substance as Terror of the Umptiums. This one has kind of that same feel to me where it doesn't, it feels more just like a random short story that we get instead of, you know, trying to tie into the isolation and all of the stuff that's going on currently. So it was kind of a a nice refresh, uh, a breath of fresh air after, oh, it's, we're going to be have metaphors and symbolism for COVID and all that we're doing. Mm -hmm. This is just a nice fun story. Mm -hmm. And written by joy, Joe, joy Wilkinson, who also wrote the witch finders. That's right. And then moving on, we come back around and we end up with, uh, the second of the shadow trilogy written by Paul Cornell. And this one dropped on with uh, the viewing of uh, Human Nature and Family of Blood, um, which, as we've uh, did a review in the past, we read uh, Family Nature. Uh, I'm sorry, Human Nature, and, and at the same time that we reviewed or went back and re-reviewed, I can't remember if it was a, a second time round thing or not. But um, those two particular Tenth Doctor stories. And so what I really liked about this one was, as everybody knows, the book was written by Paul Cornell and was a, was a uh, um, Seventh Doctor and Benny story in which they're hiding from the family uh, on Earth uh, with the Chameleon Arch uh, idea. Um, and then, obviously, Paul Cornell readapted it for the television series uh, when the Tenth Doctor came around. But what I really liked about this is the fact that uh, Lisa, ba- uh, yeah, Lisa Bowerman, who voices you know Benny in the Big Finish stuff, is playing Benny in this story written by Paul Cornell and talking to the daughter of mine from the television story, which does a really cool job of folding together the Virgin New Adventure and Human Nature Family of Blood into sort of this neat little coexisting thing, which I thought was so cool. This was one of my favorite things because of, you know me, I'm the I'm that guy that wants everything in Doctor Who to fit. And if you can find clever ways to do it, all the better. This is a clever way to do it. It doesn't out and out answer why they can coexist, but it allows for them to do so. And I think that's what's really cool about this story. It very least acknowledges the fact that they do coexist. <laughs> and I like the idea that the doctor comes and visits, visits her once a month, and she's seen so many different versions of the doctor, and even yep. some we haven't even seen. 
Well, and it sort of implies that there are ver there are various versions of her. That it's not just the two versions. That it's not just yeah. her, and not just the one from the from the or from the uh, the prose story as well. And we we get some doctors drop now. Here, Sean is where we can I think <laughs> uh, adapt the idea that t timeless children has opened up some doors. Um, we do get some doctor descriptions that are outside of uh what we're familiar with with our common uh 14 so <laughs> the one that couldn't walk and the uh the, the redhead the redhead the finally a ginger walk. finally a ginger <laughs> the old one with all the hair who had been the worst yeah i got the impression that was 12 so yeah, was total, that was, that was <laughs> because the one Benny also traveled with was also the worst. So right, he doesn't exactly. like Scottish. <laughs> That's right. That's exactly right. I didn't even pick up on that until you brought that up. <laughs> um, but then also to cleverly follow that up with the next story, which was the shadow in the uh, shadow in the mirror, um, which is the third part of this, um, where the thirteenth Doctor goes and actually releases Daughter of Mine from the mirror from her entrapment. And very cleverly written from the perspective of the, the, the girl is not remorseful for what she did. She, she hasn't learned anything from this imprisonment or this punishment. Uh, and she doesn't believe she's meant to. And what's really cool about this is the fact that the, uh, that the 13th doctor, regardless of everything that she has upheld as these other incarnations that have maintained keeping her trapped in this mirror have she does something different which is just show mercy simple mercy is all it is and returning her to her home planet which i thought was very very cleverly done um and wonderful 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 that they got uh laura wilson who played the little girl in the series to do yeah. the reading for this Well, it, it does feel very much in line with 13 that she's showing kindness and mm -hmm. that's a big thing what she's about. And initially when I first heard about this and I was kind of like, oh, it's obvious and looking at the image, it's obviously her releasing daughter of mine. I didn't know how I would feel about, you know, obviously these were horrible creatures who needed punishment. There's a reason why the 10th doctor did it. He wasn't just being cruel. He went a little above and beyond on how he did it, which was cruel, but the, 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 necess the necessity of it was still there. But he, Paul Cornell explains it and handles it well enough that I'm okay with the fact that he let her out. I agree. I'm kind of in the same boat. I, 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 I went into it going, uh, I don't know how I feel about this because, and it's, it's been a while. I need to go back and revisit human nature again, but th these were, I remember being terrified. <laughs> I mean, equal parts terrified and hurt and angry at the end of that episode. And then feeling very justified with what the 10th doctor did very, very righteously. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Even as cruel as it was. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. and, uh, uh, you know, and, and the line, I remember distinctly the line. That's when I saw the, the, uh, the anger of the time Lord, or, or now, of course I say that I can't remember the line. But whatever it was, yeah. And so to sit on that and know that every month that 
they're coming back. And it's very simple. Say you're sorry. It's not like the doctor is holding a grudge. Mm -hmm. I mean, really. Just apologize. That's all you got to do. And you'll be let out. Nope, not going to do it. Okay. What's and, very cool what's very cool about it too is it's it's supposed to be a learning moment for daughter of mine. Mm-hmm. And it turns into being a because of what's set up in the shadow passes, it turns into being a learning moment for the 13th or for the doctor instead. And that's what made it work. And now what made it work doubly is I read these two out of order. <laughs> I read this so story. And Oops. so I was very much not okay with it. And <laughs> when, when we got to the moment, I was like, oh man, I don't know. And Paul Cornell justified it. And I went, mm, yeah, I, I guess that's in keeping with the 13th doctor, but I don't know if I'd have done it. And then I read the previous story. And well, which, which one shadow passes or the, the uh, shadow passes or shadow it out. Okay, because Shadow, yeah, well, Shadow Passes. both of them. <laughs> I think Shadow, yeah, but I think Shadow Passes is what um, justifies the the uh, actions in the Shadow in the Mirror. I yeah. think um, what Shadow of Doubt does is cleverly bridge the two and fold the book in. Is yeah, what I think yeah. is, is well done. Yeah, no, te- technically both of them, but it was it was the the, the Death Moon one where the 13th doctor is talking about it. And you realize that this is something that's been weighing on her for a long time that, you know, I, I feel like, and when she puts that context, when she puts that story in context of the larger issue, then you go, Oh Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Okay. You're right. And then coming back to this, it's like, yeah, you're, 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 you are, it's, it's not necessarily a, a learning experience for daughter of mine. It's a learning right. experience for the doctor. And that mm-hmm. suddenly became okay with it. So yeah, then it became a learning experience for me. <laughs> <laughs> not to do them out of order ever again. Yeah. Sorry. Have you listened to our show? We don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> no, we don't do that. We don't do anything in order. <laughs> um, so yeah, trilogy, very nice touch. Uh, some of my favorite uh, parts of this was was that. That would be another one that I was was a complete highlight of this entire experiment. Well, um, and if next... anybody's going to find a way to 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 canonize <laughs> book and episode, and it's going to be Paul Cornell. I mean, yeah, and the, the author, this the author of both as well too. So. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, next up I felt was a little bit of a, um, step away. As we know, there's, there's sort of been kind of this official unofficial, uh, lockdown that's happening. Uh, Emily Cook's been sort of, as we mentioned, uh, spearheading this, this process. And it's been for the most part, um, new series stuff. Uh, part of that comes down to the fact that it's, it's, it's very much more accessible for a lot of people. Um, it is contained episodes. You can obviously do most of them in 45 minutes. Um, some of them, when you do the two parters, uh, ends up being about an hour and a half, but they're still kind of, you know, concise, limited things that you don't end up having to take. You know, if, if we went back and did a classic story, obviously it would involve some more time. Um, but what has been happening is this isn't the only tweet alongs that's been happening. There have been groups, podcasts that have, that have spearheaded some of these. 
And they have been doing their own watch alongs with classic series. Um, there's been some big finish tweet alongs, listen alongs. Um, there has been a Torchwood one that John mm-hmm. Barman involved, was involved with. Um, and in fact, um, what's his name from Angel? Um, James Marsters. Thank you. Yeah, uh, was was involved in that one as well. Um, so things have, this has blossomed into something that, that is covering different areas too. people's, you know, some, some people's taste is in classic, the series, and they, they, they now have a place to go. And I think this particular one was in conjunction. They, they, they officially called it a doctor, uh, who locked down original because it was original material that was released on site alongside and, sort of officialized it, but this is the Castellan's return. And this is the actor um, that played um, the Castellan in both the five doctors and Ark of infinity. And this was released at the same time that one of the groups was doing the five doctor uh, rewatch. And I wish I could remember which group uh, orchestrated that, but, uh, but this ended up being one of the official webcasts for that and was was uh, released in conjunction with that, which I thought was pretty cool. And it, it's just it's another one of these kind of fun, clever meta, uh, you know, the doctors in, a, in another in, or not the doctor, the uh, Castellan's in another incarnation and they bring in the time scoop and he gets trapped in the time st- scoop. You know, it's almost a a justifiable uh, uh, release of the Castellan or, or a capture of the Castellan, which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah, um, and bonus points for using the real time scoop. Yes, yes, the time scoop from the uh, non-special edition. <laughs> but yeah, this is this is what it is, and I'm I'm very fun. I'm very glad that they've included this in the quasi canonicity of the lockdown series. Anyway, so yeah, yeah. Next up, um, I think this was come out uh, just about the same time that Dalek came out and uh, was uh, written by Andrew Ireland. And this was Finn and the Sven and the Scarf. And Sven has um, received a package um, that's going into um, the vault of. Um, oh, help me with the guy's name. Van Staten. Thank you. Van Staten's vault. And when he opens this thing up and uh, reveals that it's a, well, it's the fourth Doctor scarf. I mean, there's there's no getting around it. It's the fourth Doctor scarf, and just all of the little uh, referential things of the evidence that he pulls off of each one, I thought was so much fun. Um, d- playing a little, you know, tongue in cheek with it, um, being a bit meta with it, especially referring to the. Uh, one specimen being possibly uh, the 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 scanner scales of a of a uh, uh, ter- or extraterrestrial being, or maybe bubble wrap, um, <laughs> little things like that. I thought were were very clever. All of the different things that he pulls out, it, it the detonator wires um, using you know, do I have the right? Just the dropping little lines from each story. Yeah. The one that I had to kind of go back and figure out, and I eventually figured it must have been um, from the Zygons, was the um, spongy pizza-looking stuff. It didn't. It did click with me what the reference there was until I went back and I rewound it and watched again. And I, that's the only thing I can think that that would have been referenced to was the Zygons. That's Is what, that the what you guys re- got out of it. That's what oh, the it wiki does. references to. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. I was the same way. I had to watch it twice before I went, oh, yeah. Well, because I think everything else was relatively um, 
obvious. Even the silicone uh, silicone based life form. Uh, you know, he he drops Eldred must live. But that even before that, that he out. says perhaps it came from a knuckle. And my first thought was, okay, well, we're referencing the hand, you know, <laughs> so uh, the hand of fear. And ironically, so, I just saw that one on Pluto the night before. Oh, is that right? <laughs> that happened to be the one that was on. Um, the alien and cactus. The piece of spine. cactus. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then there was a bit of a pun in there with Megalos. Yeah. It was almost a Megalos. Yep. And then uh, the jelly baby, which I just thought was brilliant. <laughs> That one, that was cool. That was a neat little referential uh, one, especially for us, you know, those of us that are especially Fourth Doctor fans. <laughs> I'm, a really fun one. I am now very, very, very upset that we got Adam and not Sven <laughs> in the episode. <laughs> I, 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 I'm ready for a whole as as important as 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 Ingrid Oliver is. <laughs> I now want Sven to be a scientific advisor to somebody. And I know he gets melted, but I was about I, to say, I don't think he, I don't think he, he doesn't last very the, long. I don't think he survived the attack on the base. I don't care. I, <laughs> he, he doesn't even make it to Adam. Adam says my predecessor got incinerated or something. I, I want something <laughs> with Sven now. Make it happen. Well, at least we got this. <laughs> Uh, so the next little bit, which uh, this, and I actually, when I saw this, I thought, oh, this is going to be really cool. Kind of an, uh, you know, an alternative script extract. What, what, what could have Robert Sherman possibly been thinking in, you know, because even when the, this wasn't set up to me, when I first saw that, when this first dropped, it wasn't set up to me that this was like that they had, I didn't even read Emily's thing about uh, they had toyed with the idea of not having the Daleks and substituting something else, and oh. so I didn't. I didn't even see that setup. No, I didn't. And I might have. I might have been suspicious about it. So I started reading it, and when I read the first one, I was going, "What? Why would? Why would there be a reference to the Tartan would be? Why would you even use that?" And then when I got to the next page, and he's put the Merka in, and then the best part of the whole thing. Yeah, and then when we get to the end and it's the trashing, I went, okay. Well, I was on to it by the time I saw the Merca. Because every, everything is word for word except for the few little tweaks where they've changed Dalek to Merca yeah. and in the in you know the, the other little nods uh, beyond that. The Jurassic being when when the uh, the description of the the casing opening up and inside revealing a puppeteer's hand. <laughs> Uh, uh, now let, let's let, let's be honest here uh sherman has has crafted hands down the single greatest doctor who episode ever that did not get made <laughs> this 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 is a travesty with, with we we with america we we have to rectify this immediately <laughs> who do we need to contact because this is this is uh, i'm beside myself with anger and I'm, I, I have a picket sign. As soon as they let me out of my house, I already made it. And I'm going to go march on the <laughs> and demand that they CGI in the Merca in place of that stupid Dalek <laughs> for that episode. <laughs> and while they're at it, they can get rid of Adam and, and put Sven in. <laughs> I would fix the entire thing. It would. It would. 
It would. <laughs> I got goosebumps reading as the, the you know, everybody aimed and the Merka did not seem phased by their bullets. And then it struck a karate pose. <laughs> <laughs> so I okay, we've covered worst villains and monsters in, in, in Doctor Who. How did we miss the Tartan Wood Beast? I don't think we'd focused on that when we li- reviewed that story. Had we not well. reviewed that story? Because no, it's androids of, it's a uh, it's androids of Tara. Yeah, androids right? of Tara. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so <laughs> I read it. I read the thing. And of course, my first thought was Flash Gordon. The, <laughs> the thing in the stump that they had to. Oh, 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 oh. The, the yeah, wood no. beast, right? No, these, so, were the, these were the ape things that lived in the woods. Well, you say that. I had to go and look up what is the Tarn wood beast. And then I saw a picture of a Tarn wood beast. How did we not vote that as the worst creature <laughs> ever in the history of Doctor Who? It, it is, is apparently so horrible, I do not remember it at all. Really? I do not remember it from oh, the history at all. You know, the, the crazy thing is, it it's never bothered me. I actually thought it was, I mean, it's it's a bad sculpt. Maybe it's you just know, a bad I, picture I, of it. I remember it. it having big giant teeth or something. Um, but I don't, I, I don't know. Uh, I, yeah. The, no, we don't bad. see it. We don't see it much either. It's not. I mean, that's it's not the focus of that episode hardly at all. I think it, it tries to attack Romana at one point. <laughs> Keith Keith's showing pictures, and it's like maybe it's just a bad picture. <laughs> there, here's there's a classic creatures of Doctor Who television series: the Tyrannosaurus Wood Beast Teddy Bear. <laughs> there's a teddy bear. I think it's fake. Oh, darn. It's one of those fake things. Because <laughs> I want one. I would put it on the shelf here next to my Merca. <laughs> I, 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 we may Look have to read. <laughs> God, it's it hideous. Even, even worse when it's not in the set. Well, I think that's just oh. it. I think that's like a publicity. That's not even a publicity. So that's a, that's like a behind the scenes still. You can't, well, you can't, the, the still you can't judge it, it based the episode on that. Is, No, go back to the still of it in the episode where it's attacked. Yeah, see, I mean, I know, yeah, I mean, I'm a little more free. And that to me, that's Doctor Who monsters, though. And it, I think if it had been a focus of the episodes, then it probably would have been an issue for me. But it's not even really a focus of the issue of the episodes, so it's a bit of a one off. It's I bad, was, uh, don't get me wrong, it's bad, but it's I'm just, I'm just surprised that it, it, it apparently didn't stick up in here, so uh. I, I was pleased to see that somebody tweeted Roger Sherman or uh, Robert Sherman and asked him, so what, uh, Candyman was unavailable? <laughs> <laughs> well, let's move on to the next one, which um, this one came out with uh, Girl, the Fi- on the, uh, Girl in the Fireplace, from the rewatch for that one. Um, and I don't even know how to describe this. This was it's really, a, really uh, well done. Was I sequel? Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I mean, it is a sequel. I mean, period. It definitely is a sequel, and I mean, it's really set up really kind of cool of getting the. I almost wondered was this from the time between the last time that the Doctor, you know, ban you know basically banishes the uh, uh, Clockworks, and then he returns you know, in, in just moments later for him, but obviously years later for her when she's already dead. I wondered if this was some of that dialogue. And I think it is 
some of that dialogue that was happening between those two points. And I, I sort of assumed this is maybe a diary or something from her. And, but, but I was also a little curious why we kept having these like, you know, weird change between um, shots of Versailles and in the palace and all these different things, some clips from the, the particular episode in, in the time period. And, but cutting back and forth with these weird, like computer weird shots and, and even shots of what I identified even early on as the ship. Um, kind of setting you off wondering what is going on here, only to reveal that this was obviously successful brain scans that they had captured, and it's almost this moment of of uh, what do they call that singularity, where they put their her mind and essence in the computer system, which I thought was really cool. I was really well done. Yeah, I agree. Such a cool reveal when. It's- why she can't hear anybody's voice but her own mm-hmm. and, and and chilling at the same time mm-hmm. because she's she, she's obviously very she's she obviously has consciousness and it's not the madame de pompadour that we know and love it's it's it is a it's for for lack of a better word it's a consciousness that's been taken from her and almost become sentient itself and it's almost sad that she's part of this she's the ship wandering in space now and a uh, forgotten almost overlooked essence that was left behind and uh, it's 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 kind of sad that i mean the the ss madame de pompadour is out there in space wandering and still has this consciousness yeah drifting with this it's it's sad it's a great Big screw you, Stephen Moffat. <laughs> written, by Stephen, written by Stephen written Moffat by himself. I, I I had just about gotten over Girl in the Fireplace. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's taken me a while. About uh, what is it now? Fifteen years. <laughs> he, ripped, he ripped your heart out again. <laughs> but I, I, I was, I was, I was done. I had taken that DVD off the shelf and put it way up high in the in the cupboard, and it's in a box. But it's in the back of the closet, and I, I was okay with it being there, and it, it stayed there, and I was, I was done with it. And now you come along, and and you pull poor old pompadour lady off the shelf and <laughs> and and you give her dialogue like you know my lonely angel and uh, you know are 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 you know why, why i i have these horrible dreams that you say they completed a scan of my brain and i'm worried that maybe i'm in a computer somewhere and why can't i feel myself breathing <laughs> you stuck her Brain in the ship, you saddest. <laughs> oh my god, she is on that thing all alone. She it, it is the AI of that computer has a copy of her brain and she is stuck for all eternity on that ship. Hey Sean, Sean, yeah. This is why Stephen Muffet is the ultimate troll. I know. I know. <laughs> So here I was, I, 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 you, you asked about the third cry. Oh, <laughs> a lockdown oh, cry. Yeah. I didn't cry about <laughs> yeah. this one. Oh, I didn't cry on this one. I, I, was... I, I, 
I felt genuinely sad for the consciousness that was left behind, but I didn't, I didn't cry, but no, it put <laughs> Sophia miles on screen and yeah, I, so I, 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 I took her down off the shelf and I put her in the freezer. <laughs> Maybe that way she'll stay quiet. <laughs> Up next, another, uh, another, uh, meta referential, um, story, the Zygon isolation. Uh, which just really simply shows us a image of ourselves in Doctor Who um, with what we're doing right now, which is uh, basically video conferencing with each other. Um, the two Osgoods video conferencing with each other, um, with the Doctor occasionally um, listening into to their call. So, okay, um, so I, I have to point out the absolute best thing about this is. There's two video screens. There's an Osgood and there's an Osgood. And then over on the side is the names. There's Osgood. And then up to the side, it says host. (laughs) (laughs) Very clever name. Very clever uh, reference. (laughs) It's just for some reason, that to me was the funniest. I couldn't focus on the rest of the episode because I just kept seeing host and I would start laughing. Because there's an Osgood host and there's an Osgood. And it's like, well, we're not sure which one's which. Oh, I don't know. I think this is the very first time since we've had dueling Osgoods that it was very obvious which was which. <laughs> Especially when the one Osgood says, oh, well, that was sort of a tell. <laughs> she missed her... Um, what was it? She called suckery, suckery pieces, or whatever. I don't know what you called them. Call the sun on my suctioning things again. Yeah, suctioning yeah, things. Um, but uh, again, another kind of meta, uh, outer referential one because what are they going to do while they're bored? They're going to watch Day of the Doctor together because they're in it. So it was a bit real, a little bit too skirted the real world, but uh, it was fun. It was a neat, neat little. Uh, Neat little send-off on that. I'll, I'll allow it. I'll allow yeah. it. Anytime you have Ingrid Oliver, it's a good time. That's right. That's right. And that brought us up to what, up until this point, was the... Yes, because the next one is tomorrow, right? Yeah, so which has been the last, which was the Zygon Invasion and Zygon Inversion. Uh, Truth or con- Consequences, that was on the 10th of May. The next one up, which everybody can, if I get this out in time, uh, can join in, is uh, Volcano Day with the fires of Pompeii. Is that actually Volcano Day? Did they really manage to sink that up? Volcano Day. Well, that's too bad. I usually have know when Volcano Day. Yeah, I have it in my phone. Really? Yep. Um, But it's not showing up, so it must not be. like we know Volcano when Volcano Day, Day happened. is Saturday, October twenty fourth this year. No, that was last year. It's uh, Monday, October twenty fourth this year. Probably not tomorrow. No, no, that's definitely not tomorrow. Not on October. the right. I'm sorry, August. I said October. It's August. August twenty fourth. Probably not tomorrow. No, not definitely not tomorrow. Um, but on the bright that... side, Glenn, you have plenty of time to edit this. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Um, but that's actually happening tomorrow, the uh, tweet along. So it's going to be close. Um, but uh, they have released an, a, another one this week uh, on the 11th. They dropped uh, a story. Actually, yeah, it, it, it's a story treatment 
um, called the uh, How the Monk Got His Habit um, was written by uh, Peter Harness, who also wrote the last story that we just reviewed. And um, it was it was weird. Nonetheless, it, it, he claims that this was there was a novelization for this and that it was an unproduced uh, 12th Doctor TV story. And actually, it was it was an unproduced story that he decided to novelize. And then this is like the first page, but it didn't go any further than this. I think it's a bit tongue in cheek. I don't think this is actually real. I think it's something fun that he put together. Um, but it's the monk who now goes by the name Roger. I don't know. What, you know where that where that reference is from? Does anybody know? I, that? I don't, he hasn't gone by Roger before, has he? Not that I'm aware of. Okay. Um, anyway, and... I got the impression that this is a prequel to the story, uh, the meddling monk or not the meddling monk, the, um, time meddler. That's the impression I got from the story too. Okay. All right. But the monk uh, is on his fifth incarnation. So, eh. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, and listening to music and his TARDIS doesn't want to jettison 25% so that the, um, of the of the ship so that he can get the right audio resolution um it decides to tell him he just needs to plug in a woofer woofer and um so he does so and saves 25 percent of his tardis did i sum it up yeah <laughs> kind of stinks ended on this one because it was really the most lackluster of all of the pieces the the, the the key to this was yeah. the 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 casting that he uh he kept saying that he envisioned Matt Berry playing Roger the Monk. And I read this and I had no oh. idea who Matt Berry was. Okay. So then I get into the comments section on Twitter and everybody's going, Oh my god, somebody called Big Finish. We have to make this happen. Blah blah blah. Everybody's on board with this. And I'm like, who the heck is this Matt Berry guy? So I go and I look up Matt Berry. Oh, Matt Berry's the guy from What We Do in the Shadows who plays okay, the, yeah. the, the one vampire, the married one. Okay, okay. Um, with the beard and the... It's the guy from IT Crowd. Yes. Yes. Now, knowing that, hearing this dialogue coming out of that guy is like, okay, this is now on a whole nother level yeah, of, yeah, yeah. yeah, okay, now I get well, it. Well, <laughs> and, and I haven't watched uh, What We Do in the Shadows, because this is from the TV series, What We Do in the Shadows, right? Right, yeah. he plays the character on there. the The funny thing is, I can easily, which I think he plays the same uh, character that Jermaine um, uh, Clement. Clement Clement played in the movie, right? Uh, similar, but not similar the same. character. Okay, because similar. interestingly similar. enough, I envisioned Jermaine Clement when I was reading this. <laughs> <laughs> so that's pretty crazy that both of these guys who are linked in such a way that's bizarre that's crazy yeah. that's completely who i pictured when i was when i was reading that although i tend to picture jermaine clement <laughs> a lot of different things of that style of character so ah anyway but, but yeah having having read that little tidbit ahead of time but not knowing who it was and then putting that piece in afterwards then all of a sudden it was like a click and the heavens opened oh yes now i want this as much as everybody else wants this. <laughs> wow 
just just to hear him talk about hi-fi and yelling at a TARDIS. That that <laughs> <laughs> Well, let's wrap this up because this is gonna be a supersized episode now because I think we've run about two hours. Um <laughs> but you know, that's the way to bring it back, right? I mean, we bring that's the back right. the show back with a supersized episode. Uh, we do want to remind everybody that the uh, these aren't over. Uh, they, they're continuing to go, as we said, uh, on the 17th. If we get this out on time, it'll be the day after we record this. They're going to be doing the Fires of Pompeii. Um, you get two doctors for the price of one there, at least two actors for the price of one there. Um, and uh, so that's coming up. Um, and obviously, we're, we're sticking around. Um, Sean, you want to give a little brief maybe what people can expect? I don't know that we're, we're going to set a date today. But um, we are starting to get back into the swing of these things, and we want to do more of these. So what do we have that people can look out for, look forward to? Well, coming up on the schedule, unofficially, dun, 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 uh, we had uh, commented before we went and took our hiatus that we were going to be coming back with a return to the lethbridge Stewart verse or the Brigverse, uh, and getting back into uh, some shorts. Uh, the uh, I don't remember the name of the book. <laughs> I had it right. Havoc Files. Havoc Files. Files. Yeah. It's the Laughing Gnome. Lord. Gnome. Uh, the Laughing Gnome uh, with uh, some of the short stories uh, in the 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 the, uh, the book uh followed by, I'm <laughs> did, did you it. short circuit <laughs> i did my whole brain has just <laughs> shut down it's, it's i could have i could have edited that out now i can't because i've referenced it <laughs> <laughs> what would you want to really i mean if we're going to no, get no. back into this we should just let's be <laughs> honest <laughs> <True to us. laughs> if we changed it up we would confuse people so <laughs> Um, and then uh, following that up is uh, the um, the next book in the Lethbridge Stewart um, series. Which man, why do I not have this in front of me? I <laughs> totally the, uh, thought I did. Uh, the uh, Rise of the Dominators. Thank you, Dominator. Right, the Rise of the Dominator. Yeah. Just one, just one singular. There is one, only one Dominator. There and then is. obviously we've got some uh, War Doctor that we're going to be. Or wait, doing no, is it Rise? Of, yes, it is Rise of the Dominator. Yeah, Rise okay. Of the there, I found it. It just it <laughs> rolled right off my. It did this weird thing. It was very, very, uh, very, very Doctor Whoy. Actually, it was kind of weird. And we've got uh, some War Doctor out ahead as well. Some War Doctor coming up. Uh, some uh, other big finish. Uh, some Lucy Wilson coming up. Um, so yes, and we'll obviously we'll come back and continue to revisit the, uh, the worlds of lockdown as, uh, they continue to provide them to us. And I don't know, maybe if I can squeeze two nickels worth of time together, I can get inspired to offer up a little something from us to you guys for that as well. So, yeah. And we'll we're sure enjoying the, uh, Star Trek, uh, side trips that you've been doing. I've actually seen some comments on those. People are, are enjoying those as well, oh, Sean. So thank you for doing those. Um, I also kind of, yeah. I sort of thought maybe I would uh, continue my uh, Doctor Who comics uh, read along uh, in the same form. So I may be doing some short uh, trips uh, or some side trips on the Doctor Who first Doctor comics that I'm I'm doing now as well. So look for those in the coming weeks as well. Uh, anything else we need to uh, address before we close the show out, guys? Thank if you not, for continuing to stick around with us. All right. 
Very good. We'll be sure to check out the website and keep uh, up to date for everything we're doing on the podcast. While you're there, click on our Patreon link and consider supporting us. And for those of you that are already supporting us, we appreciate it. We know we haven't given you much for your buck, uh, but uh, hopefully we'll start to make up for it here very soon. And uh, remember, you can send any comments or feedback to travelingvortex.com by clicking on the send feedback link on the website. Uh, and that's all we've got time for. So until next time, I'm Glenn. I'm Sean. I'm Keith. Cheers. Good night, everybody. Be seeing you from six feet away. <laughs> you have been listening to Traveling the Vortex. Doctor Who and all of its associated programs are owned and trademarked by the BBC. No infringement is intended or implied.